Hi, this is Liz Tinkham, and welcome to Third Act, a podcast about people embracing the third act of their lives with a new sense of purpose and direction. The third act begins when your script ends, but your show's not finished. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Third Act. On today's show, I talk with Geraldine Keough, the BN lady. Oh my goodness, what a story Geraldine has to tell. And fair warning, you might be hungry listening to this because Geraldine is in the chocolate business. But she didn't start in that business, nor in food at all. As a young mom, Geraldine ran a preschool, primarily so that she had a place for her own kids. After that business grew and she sold it, she teamed up with local friends as part of a dessert catering business. Within a year, she was running the business with her daughter and looking for ways to expand. They started to produce chocolate truffle centerpieces, referred to as Bien's chocolate centerpieces, and they were a big hit among her local customers. But as Geraldine describes, both she and her daughter have ADD, and the ideas on what to do with Bien's just kept it growing. Today, Geraldine and her daughter have built a national dropship business for Bien's, as well as continuing their local work with the dessert ladies. And she's not done yet with her expansion plans. If you've ever thought about running your own business, you will love Geraldine's story of determination and ambition. Geraldine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where do we find you today? Calling in today from New Jersey. Oh, what part? I'm in Denville at my manufacturing plant, and it is a chilly 29 degrees today. Yeah, the East Coast still cold, even though it's the end of March. You know, it's funny. I was just looking at your Bien's uh, chocolate centerpieces, and speaking of your manufacturing plants, <laughs> your Easter candies are unbelievable. Like, do you come up with the designs, or how, do, how does that work? It's a collaboration between myself and Lindsay, my business partner, who actually happened to be my daughter as well, of whom I'm very proud. She is an amazing person to work with. And we just, you know, feed off each other in terms of creativity. You know, one person has an idea and somebody else enhances it and or comes up with something totally different. And it's like we that's the best part of our job is the creative process of coming up with ideas. Beautiful. Well, and we'll come back to talking a little bit about those. But I know you weren't always making chocolate and your accent might give you away that you're not originally from the United States. So where did you grow up and how did you end up in the United States? I grew up in Dublin, Ireland back in the um, 70s, 80s. Always the U.S. was like this beacon, a great place to go. We loved everything about the um, the U.S. that we would see on the TVs. So I moved here in 1985 uh, with my husband and my one-year-old on the you know condition that we would be here for a couple of years while he was um, you know just working for a U.S.-based company. And that was 1985, a long time ago, and we are still here. <laughs> so you had a daycare business at one point that you sold. How did you get into that business? Actually, that was a funny story. When I moved here, I uh, came to the U.S. My mom, you know, uh, made me guarantee that I would not put my my son with anybody that I didn't know. So I started a home daycare initially just to keep myself busy and uh, extra income. And then that morphed into a full daycare center style business. And that's how I kind of got into it. I enjoyed being around other people. I like enjoy their children. And um, we went on to have that career for about 15 years until my own kids got too old for me to be working till eight o'clock at night and needed to be supervised a little in the afternoon after they came home from school. So my husband and I decided that it was time to retire and um, which I did. And, you know, I um, but I missed it a lot. I must admit, I missed the interaction with the families and the children. 
So how did you meet and find the dessert ladies? Again, just, you know, friends uh, pay such an important part of your life. And some of my friends were doing small chocolate gifts um, for, you know, businesses and friends and family. And they weren't really going anywhere with it. They were struggling to find their feet. And um, marketing has always been one of my passions. And I said, I jumped in at the time I wasn't working. I was volunteering a lot and, you know, raising money. It was, you know, for charities was one of my favorite things to do. So I said I would help them initially get on their feet and, and experience the business. And within six months to a year, one had dropped out and the other one stayed involved. And we founded the Dessert Ladies with my daughter, Lindsay. And so you become the CEO. So there's sort of a theme here, like you get going and then all of a sudden it sort of takes off because you quickly become the CEO of the business and it really starts to expand. So what did you see and how did you get that to happen? We had a small vision to begin with. It was 2009, um, you know, you know, economy had just kind of cratered and we, um, we see, we saw, we saw an opportunity to, for a small business to be able to retain a client by sending them a gift that had, you know, a personalization to it. And with Lindsay's, um, you know, coming in, into the, into the company, she brought with her the ability to, you know, be able to add edible images to a lot of our chocolate products so people could add logos and messaging. And uh, that became a, a huge opportunity for us. But again, I didn't want to stay and just do something, you know, small. We had a vision from the get go that we would be the best in the, you know, in the business. And we also wanted to expand our product offerings to all of our clients. So we started adding every dessert imaginable. You know, our theme was, you know, it's small bites, like small, you know, single serving dessert. Enjoy it, have it taste as good as it looks and and then move on from the guilt. So we um, kind of rallied around that theme and then made presentation boxes for our clients that they could give to, you know, somebody for birthdays, uh, milestone events and then at the holidays. So it kind of, you know, grew, grew from there. But our dessert started getting a lot of attention. And um, in 2014, we opened a commercial kitchen and a store in our current location in Sterling in 2012, September. And then in the middle of 2013, we were approached to pitch to the NFL that was coming to New Jersey the following year with the Super Bowl. And we were asked, we know, would we like to get involved in that process? So that turned out to be a seventh month tryout, so to speak. And, you know, we would go back every couple of weeks with new dessert offerings. And, you know, um, I think we pretty much gave them our whole repertoire over that seven months. And they seemed to enjoy sitting around eating them. But we we were quite okay with that. But it was a great team. And they were planning this huge tailgate party that is is customary on the afternoon of the Super Bowl, um, you know, the two to six hour before the game gets going. So we were lucky to be awarded the contract for that and then got elevated to the VIP room with all of the owners and celebrities, and uh, which was an un- unbelievable experience for us. 11,000 people, we're a small company. We're thinking, how are we going to make this happen? Uh, but fortunately, um, they asked, they gave us a great ar- array of dessert offerings to bring in with us. So we rallied all the other small bakeries around the um, you know New Jersey area, and you know anybody who had a specialty in Italian bakeries or Portuguese or whatever was on the menu, and we went to them for their expect- expertise, and they made those small products, and we just collated everything together, and then you know 
presented on the day. So it was actually a big community effort, but it was amazing for us to be able to pull this off. And it really did test our metal as to how we were going to be as you know future, future business owners. And it gave us an idea about scale, which we hadn't really uh, you know anticipated up until then. So it was um, it was a heck of an opportunity, and it was just a great thing to experience. So, how many pieces of uh, dessert did you deliver that day? It had to be twenty four thousand. Oh my goodness! Which and how big had the biggest order prior to that been? Do you remember? Actually, that weekend we had a conflict. Uh, one of our clients was uh, at a hospital in Pennsylvania, and they were looking for three thousand. Uh, personalized cookies, uh, sugar cookies. And, you know, under under normal circumstances, a 3,000 piece order would be huge. And the fact that it happened the same weekend was just like enough to test us completely. But we were able to complete both. So getting the size of this contract and the scope of it was a big deal. And it was it was a lot. But we got it done and we delivered and we enjoyed the entire process from start to end. It was truly transformational for us. Do you have any background in cooking, catering, any of that at this point? Uh, other than being something that we did as Irish, like, you know, English dessert is a big part of our meal. And, you know, I grew up in a household of, you know, of, of bakers and some classically trained. And I just, you know, I was actually the worst of a lot of them, believe it or not. Everybody groaned when it was my turn. But um, I could bake. The one thing I learned from young was that I could bake. Not a great decorator, but then, you know, I, I started to look around and I saw incredible talent out there. So we put out advertisements and we hired some incredibly talented people that are still with us to take on the decorating part of the um, bakery business. And we make a great combination of, you know, good, you know, quality, best ingredient, you know, bakery items, as well as superb talent in terms of creativity and design and execution of no matter what it is, whether it's a high profile cake, a big, you know, something huge, or it's somebody's cake for their relative's birthday and there's six or eight of them everyone is equally as important how did the idea of bn's chocolate centerpieces how'd you come up with that idea we always are looking to expand our product range because people get bored with things or they expect something new and different from you. So we had come up with this truffle and um, we didn't have a name for it. They were just cake balls. So um, we were said, we, you know, my daughter was like, what are we going to call these things? So we, we love the idea of a one word name like Uber, Venmo and things like that. So we came up <laughs> with the whole idea. Uber for chocolate, right? Yeah. Um, we came up the whole idea of, um, you know, she said, it's not a bonbon, but it's as good as and she said bien is is good in french and it's good in spanish let's just call them bien's so we started um calling the bien's ourselves and i can't tell you the thrill we got when people would come into our store and say we want those bien things and we were like yeah, just the fact that they started calling them by the name that we had had identified them with was just like thrilling to us um but we were again creativity pushing the boundaries we were selling boxes of them and that was great, but I said, we can do better. So I came up with this idea one afternoon of putting them on a, um, on a ball. 
And I found these pieces of a turkey that you would put in a pumpkin. So it would make a pumpkin look like a turkey. And I put this together and I turned it around to Lindsay and I said, what do you think? There was 50 of the BNs on this ball. And she said, that's genius. Uh, So we started selling them. And then we also put them on trees for Christmas, like a cone shape so that it would be made free out of it for Christmas. And we then she would personalize the headers for like, you know, the the Smith family wish you the best holidays, you know, uh, you know, holiday wishes. And or, you know, it was engagement parties and things like that. So they started to get very popular like that. And it means it meant that we could sell higher quantities of them, because our trees were anything from a 30 piece little tree to a 100 piece large thing, a very large thing. And then we had these characters. So we said, you know, it, we, and we did that for about a year and a half, two years. And after the Super Bowl, like explosion, and we were very like we were happy with the progress we were making, but we realized that we couldn't go any further with it, that we couldn't ship them. We tried. It was a disaster. And, you know, these things were stuck on a foam ball with my um, styrofoam ball with toothpicks. And obviously deliver them. Um, but so we were restricted to a very small catchment area. In the meantime, we're doing boxes of desserts under contract with Century 21 and ERA Realtors. And we had, you know, what we would t- do is, you know, take a chocolate covered Oreo, for instance, and then we would print on a box of six the house that an agent wanted to sell. And they would take them to their clients and pitch them as why they were the best agent and how they could market using, you know, as well as everything else. So we got invited to attend some of the national conferences in, like, in, around the country in DC and Vegas and, and the like. And we brought our BNs on the road with us because we really wanted to make sure that it just wasn't a local phenomenon and that other people around the country liked them equally as much as we th- we did. So we would use them as samples at these conferences and we would have a line every morning waiting for us. People going, can I have some of those things? So we knew we were onto something good. So we then dug down and said, what how do we scale this? Like, how do we grow this so that we can ship these nationwide? And at the time I had applied for a, um, I'm all about education with business. You keep learning all the time. So I applied for the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program and got accepted. It's a great program. It's free to the participants once you're, you're selected. And um, it was, you know, it, it was a great opportunity, but they challenged me on the very first day and said, what are you here for? And why are you, what are you going to do with this, you know, this education that's going to help you scale and really grow your company to a different level? And I said, my idea is if I can figure something out to be able to, um, you know, scale this product and ship it, then that's my growth opportunity in this. So Lindsay and I sat with an engineer and we said, this is what we want our end product to look like. We had drawn it and scaled it. And then um, we, um, we, so we worked backwards and then we worked with this for, you know, R&D for about 18 months, coming up with the right component for um, to be able to, you know, bring the packaging that is now what we have today with BNs for the tower and the sphere shapes. And then we came up with more characters and more ideas. And that's where we have, you know, that's where we, we it, BNs was launched out of. Did they also help you figure out how you could ship those appropriately as well? 
We did it. That, that was all on us. We had to do that. They just gave us the support in, in, in you know, the, um, in order to, you know, think bigger, think greater, um, you know, just expand our horizons. But we had to figure out how to ship them. So when I grew up in Ireland, even we had a company that made Easter eggs and they always had these, you know, they, these packet, this packaging that allowed them to ship the eggs all over the country with and keep them intact from getting broken. Like the, the, the shell of an Easter egg is very thin and if, if it works for them, it could work for them. So that was kind of my inspiration as to how once once we able saw what the forms would look like, and then with all the spikes on them that we attached the BNs to, we had to change them millimeter by millimeter just to make sure that we had the the projection right of the spike so that it would stay on in transit. But this piece that coming together, this what we call our final wrap, you know, it came together and it hooked, you know, and it kept everything secure. And we you know, had great fun the first couple of months, drop sh- kicking them around the facility. Uh, you know, we literally <laughs> to make sure they don't break. To make sure that they didn't break and that things didn't fall off. And then we put them in. Um, we also wanted to be able to have it an unboxing experience so that when you got this gift, given how the stature of it and how well they looked, we wanted the, you know, the shipping box to be equally as creative so we went with a two inch you know styrofoam you know insert so that we could ship them all over the country with you know and keep them um you know intact and well preserved so um we just kind of looked at all elements of the process we had this product and they were thinking okay how do we stop anybody you know you know replicating this quickly so we went through the pot the patent process pretty quickly that started, hired an extraordinarily good firm. It's not something I think you can ever skimp on. You know, it's not something you can really do yourself. We had, did not have the expertise or the bandwidth to do that at all. So we hired an excellent company to represent us and we started the process. And once we became, once we got so far into the process that we were, you know, the first part of it was actually um, finding out, did anything like this already exist? So the search part of the patent process so the prior art, intense. right? Yeah, and um, they went all the way back to to 1904 to France to a um, to something that was close but not close enough. And they decided that yes, we were unique enough to to warrant the process of applying for utility patents and design patents. So we put in five. We have three, um, like already, uh, they've all been approved and we have three completely finished and, and, and published. So we were very excited about that. And to be inventors as well was kind of cute. It was really like, yeah, you know, buzz. I, like, you know, all of a sudden they wrote to us and said, dear inventor. And we were like, uh, you know, oh, that's us. You know, so uh, <laughs> cool. So to add that to our, our repertoire. So. Yeah, so the whole process was a great learning experience and um, enjoyable, a little fraught with like, you know, with, you know, like anxiety about, you know, would anybody get to it before we had it protected and that sort of stuff. But we, we got we got there and we got it done. And um, and like I said, we, um, we then we trademark names and all of that good stuff and 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 character names. And that's kind of where we are right now. This story of building a small business basically from an idea is amazing. And I know it's growing by leaps and bounds and we'll come to that. But we have listeners who in their third act want to launch small businesses. So what would be sort of the top, say, one to three pieces of advice you might give someone who's listening and thinking about doing something similar? I'd say, first of all, it's possible. 
that's the you know oh, okay. as, Good. as 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 crazy as that sounds it's possible it's you know i i suggest, i i recommend to people imagine your end result and then work back and itemize the itemize the steps and then break them off into pieces and see who can you get to help you with this it helps to have somebody and i'm lucky in this in regard to have somebody be able to run your ideas against that will give you honest feedback for everything you get right, you're going to get something wrong. And just, you know, going the distance and, and believing that you can do it, even if it seems unreasonable, there are people out there that can help you with all elements of it. And that's what networking does. Just, you know, networking with people, asking questions, being, you know, not having to have all the answers up front, but finding out, you know, and doing your due diligence. You know, is this something that some people are going to want? Are they prepared to pay for it? And, uh, you know, how much resources do I have to be able to apply to this? I think there might be three, but my first were like diehard, you know, do it, do it, do it, people. Yeah, no, that's great advice. So you still have the two businesses, Bien's and Dessert Ladies? Mm-hmm. Yep, we do. And yep. where are you headed with both? With Dessert Ladies, actually, I'll go with Bien's first because that's possibly easier because that's got a very clear path. The BNs, I need to grow this as, you know, as quickly as I can and as uh, as solidly as I can. When we started the Dessert Ladies, it was very much a mom and pop type business. And we were okay with that. We knew that it's impossible to scale like, you know, that type of business. We did look at franchising it, but it wasn't the business model we thought made the most sense to us. But we also enjoy the creativity of it. And, you know, we do a lot of dessert bars at the Dessert Ladies and signature cakes and things like that. And we do love that. And we realize that it does have limitations on it based on geography for the most part. But we do like that business. And we're always looking to make that better. Um, And interesting, you know, as one has developed, it's now opened an incredible opportunity for the Dessert Ladies, which I'll I'll get to in a second. So, um, yeah, so... The Bien's, um, we learned a lot along the way from mistakes that we made and and successes that we had with Dessert Ladies as to how to build a business that has scalability and, you know, getting ourselves into the, into the, um, like, you know, into the, the flow process of being able to scale a business. And I don't think we would be where we are with Bien's right now if we hadn't had our teeth cut on dessert lady. So it's incredibly value, you know, valuable to us in that regard. But with the BNs, we have these product, we have a great product range. We have this, you know, basically we added other products to the, you know, to the BNs range, like the chocolate covered pretzels, the, um, all of the other things that we do. Um, so that, you know, we would be able to offer just not a one dimensional product to our customers. And, you know, again, the customization for our corporate customers is huge. So we, as long as we're able to offer that on different types of products, like our chocolate covered Oreos or even graham crackers or whatever it is, we, uh, you know, we feel like we can answer a lot of the pain points that our corporate customers have when they're gifting and they're looking to make a memorable 
gift, you know, exchange with somebody. So we um, we grew this with the intention of us being able to scale it. And, you know, we opened a, um, in the middle of the pandemic, actually, my husband thought I was nuts. We found the best facility ever in this manufacturing plant that had been recently vacated. And it was spotless clean. It was perfect for food preparation, which isn't easy to find. It had a warehouse component to it. And it was like on one level and it was, it just spoke to us. So we said, we're going to do this and you know everybody else is hanging on a thread and we're going we're we're going the opposite direction we're going to <laughs> you're expanding during the pandemic in the pandemic June of food the business pandemic. yeah yeah exactly so we took this facility we signed the lease and we um, we took possession of the facility on June 1st on June 4th we went into a virtual trade show for business to business you know for a b2b um thing and we had a booth built for us and we went into this trade show and the first day this guy comes into our booth and says, I'm a buyer with 800 flowers. He said, and I'm wires. I'm not your buyer. He said, I think the buyer for the Simply Chocolate website where under 800 flowers umbrella would be very interested in talking to you. We love what you offer. So we said, great. So he introduced us and that was the start of something amazing. We hadn't been a, as aware of the dropship model as you know before that. And we just thought we would just sell it on our own website. But all of a sudden this opened up a revenue stream for us that we would be able to apply to see these big retailers and go on their um, websites and then dropship directly from us. So the product is not sitting around in in their warehouse and we have control over the end product getting to the customer which was vitally important to us so um because we can then could attest to quality and longevity and all of that good stuff so we went down this road with bns of you know expanding out our ability to drop ship so we started with 800 flowers the onboarding process for that. It was one to cut our teeth on because if anything went wrong with it, we, we, we experienced it. But we learned a lot and it was slow, painfully slow. But in the meantime, we kind of got like you said, okay, what else can we do? And we found a, a company that represents a lot of the big retailers like, you know, Neiman Marcus and um, Lord & Taylor, Kroger's in the South. Uh, and they uh, we went to work with them and we were able to get on those platforms and expand out our product offerings for the 2021 holiday season. So we learned a lot from this process. It sounds like it comes together quickly, but there was weeks and months in between where we were frustrated and we were, you know, did like it, said, it all doesn't go smoothly. And some days you just throw up your hands, but you're in it to win it. So you have to, you, you find another way to go. You know, you pivot. When you say we, how many people are you talking? How many people do you have working at BNs? At BNs, we have six at BNs right now full-time people at BNs right now and we are looking to actually have another seventh person joining us next Monday and um, we hired a sales director this for who's starting on Monday and then we have four other positions open right now so we're hoping to grow to 11 or 12 people by the middle of June. I'm getting the sense that you know this isn't a third act this is like third fourth fifth you're just going to keep going where do you get your drive I mean it seems like everything you've talked about you touch it you think about it, you work on it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's just keep expanding this and making it bigger. I mean, not everybody does that. So how does that happen for you? I guess it comes down to the end result, the, the big picture that I have at the end of this journey is I know what it's going to look like. 
I know where the steps are that I want to get to. And I'm, I'm at the, like what drives us is getting to that vision of what we have for this company of, you know, being a, a like, you know, a national brand and, you know, and then, you know, potentially either an IPO or selling it. Who knows? We've been off, we've been approached already, uh, you know, with an offer to, to buy us out, but we're not there yet. And we're not one with it yet at all. So that kind of is the motivation to keep going and keep growing and keep, you know, it's, it's you know, but I'm also as a third act person, uh, aware of the clock and the timing. And that's why we put, I put such an effort into doing this as quickly as possible and growing this because my husband retired early and he is like doing things that make him happy right now. He's, you know, different, um, you know, volunteer things that he does and he helps us out with the company. He was a, he was deputy auditor at Prudential Financial um, before he, you know, finished his career there. He has a wealth of business knowledge and he's been invaluable to us. You know, he definitely keeps us sane and keeps us um, you know, on the right track from doing anything too risky. But he's he's so he's been great. But I'm also watching the clock as well. Like I want to be able to, you know, I have four beautiful grandchildren. I love spending the time with them and I prioritize that. But there's only so much time to go around. And this right now is a big focus for 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 Lindsay and I, for, you know, to grow this as big and as wide as we can to make it like, you know, super successful. Being a small business owner, and and when we were prepping, we were talking a little bit about some of the programs that the government runs to support small businesses, because I also dabble in it a little bit only from the teaching perspective at the University of Washington. But what have you found in terms of, particularly during the pandemic, have there been, have you found the federal and state government to be supportive of small businesses, particularly women-owned small businesses? And what more, like if you were running the Small Business Administration, what more would you want them to do? I think that it, like quite honestly, when we went into the pandemic to begin with, the first thing I said to my staff was, you know, we had no idea what kind of help we were going to get. We didn't know how long this was going to last. But I said, like, we will take care of you. You will be like, you know, your employment's not going to change. You know, you won't be working as much, but you'll get paid the same as what you did. And we'll work it out down the road. You know, and I I was comfortable enough that I was going to be able to honor that for a while. I didn't know how long it was going to go. But then the government got to work and they got... You know, they came up with um, all of a sudden the SBA and the Small Business Administration is thrust into the forefront of small business. They'd always been there with great programs. And I was very familiar with them because they offer a program in every state that is is a great resource for every small business owner out there. It's called the Emerging Leaders Program. And every state has one. And you apply to it, and it's a, it's pretty much like a small MBA program, you know, high level, you know, you know, business instruction for you to be able to scale your business with the idea of being employment that you grow so you can employ more people locally and I was fortunate that after finishing the uh, the Goldman Sachs program in 2018 I went on to do one at my local you know Rutgers University had a, a business program and right after that I did that one and then the SBA came about a in 2019. So I learned a lot about the inner workings of the SBA through this Emerging Leaders Program. So I felt like they would be a good resource. I also, we set up networking groups amongst all the small business owners that, you know, we, you know, I knew and said, if anybody hears of anything, 
grants, you know, anything out there, share it and put it on a forum and we'll all get it out to everybody because, yes, we are competing with with each other for these grants, but you're going to get one. I'm going to get something else. And, and what goes around will come around for all of us if we all prop each other up. And that was a huge part of the survival process of the, you know, the early pandemic weeks. The SBA were tremendous. They were incredible. The first thing came out was the PPP. Knowing that we had help paying our payroll was the biggest thing because that for a lot of small businesses is one of the biggest expenses that you have. And knowing that we had initially it was for eight weeks and I'm thinking eight weeks isn't going to do it by the looks of where this pandemic is going through the Goldman Sachs program, they came and said, what do you guys need? And immediately all of us jumped on this and said, we need this PPP to be extended. So they said, how many weeks? You know, there was anything from 12 to 24. So they went out and they lobbied with all of the uh, the legislators that was involved in, in this to for 24 weeks on the PPP, forgiveness on the PPP. And they got it for us. You know, they well, they were a large part of being able to, our voices were heard. And I got very involved with calling my local, you know, legislators. I hadn't talked to them much before. I never really felt they were part of the process, but all of a sudden they were making votes and decisions on what kind of aid that we would get from the federal government. So it made sense to talk to them. So we got them involved and we, you know, we, I spoke to them regularly about the progress and our fears and just like the struggles that we were having. And then they came up with the IDLE program, the... Um yeah, EIDL, right. EIDL, and which was great. And then, so that kind of gave us, we had the PPP in place. That was a big, for the dessert ladies at least, it was a big like load off and and the, but then the idol gave us a peace of mind and it gave us a, a chance to breathe because we had this sitting in in the back of the in the PPP. So I said, you know, when you're looking at the rest of the year and contracts are getting cancelled and you still have all the overhead, at least there is money there to cover it without completely destroying personal savings and all the rest of it. And it also gave us the the the, the you know, the platform to be able to think about expanding. What can we do with this opportunity? But again, I that the, these programs were a lifeline for a lot of us. And it gave us the impetus to say, we can survive this and we can keep going. And as they we needed it, they added a second round of PPP. And then they opened up the band, the bands on the idol for us to be able to go back and reapply for more. And that, you know, in, in 2021, both of those things were life-saving. Has your business started? It's coming out, I assume, out of, out of the pandemic? Yes. Yeah, no question. No question. We started to doing more in-person things and um, and just be able to get back to trade shows, for instance, this year. We have several lined up for BNs. Um, we got certified during the pandemic for women as a women-owned business, um, which is, you know, and that network in the WBNC is incredible for all business owners. Incredible. And now we're looking at several different ways where we're going to grow BNs. You know, our new hire, which I'm looking at Larry is next week. I'm looking forward to have him come in and take over the sales process and help us grow, you know, in that regard. And I just feel like there's so much territory out there that we can conquer once we have a plan. And I'm super excited about it. I'm thrilled. I can tell. (laughs) Well, listen, I almost named this podcast. I'm not done yet. What aren't you done with yet? 
I don't think I'm ever going to be done because I always feel like there's so much to do and staying active and, 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 you know, it just, it invigorates your brain and it keeps you, it keeps you going and keeps you, you know, I'm not done at all on any front, quite honestly. I, you know, no matter what it is, I'm not done traveling. I, I've had many canceled trips that I've had that I've really been sat over, but, you know, I'm not done with, you know, like growing this business and just getting out and talking about it. I, you know, I feel like I wish there was more we could do to support each other. You asked me a question about what can the government do for us as business owners, um, you know, especially women um, or any diverse business owners, access to capital, like fair access to capital is a huge hurdle that we still fight against. And there are a lot of predatory people out there that you just have to ignore. Best advice, stay away from them and get creative. But if you have a good business plan and you have good credit and you've you've done your best with your business to keep that in, you know, you will find the funding that you need, but you have to dig, you have to do that and you have to network. Network is, is the golden rule of small business. Geraldine, thank you so much for being on the show. In addition to publishing your where we can find Bien's, the Chocolate Center pieces, where else can people find you online? You can find us at a lot of the large retailers, Neiman Marcus, Lord & Taylor. You can find us on our own website. So, you know, through Shopify, we have, you know, Bien's is available through the Dessert Ladies, dessertladies.com or bncc.com. And what about you? You're on LinkedIn, right? I'm on LinkedIn as well. Yes, with both companies. So we can all be inspired by you. So thank you so much and good luck with the, the growth of the business. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me today to listen to the Third Act podcast. You can find show notes, guest bios, and more at thirdactpodcast.com. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and write a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Liz Tinkham. I'll be back next week with another guest who's found new meaning and fulfillment in the third act of their life.